So something happened to me, oh, quite a few years ago. It was my first year of marriage. Um, now, to understand that uh, about 20 years ago, I did not have all this gray hair. Uh, so I looked a little bit younger than I do. And um, just a, a few years prior to that, in fact, I had been working in a deli. And uh, so I was in my 20s at that point. Uh, and I had a, one of a coworker come up to me and tell me that uh, that informed me that I wasn't supposed to be using slicers uh, if I wasn't 16 yet. So just so you get an idea of what I looked like, um, that was that's important to this story that happens now as a 30-year-old man. Uh, I was walking down the street uh, in, in Vermont, and uh, an army recruiter stopped me. And uh, he, was, he was younger than me, I could tell that. Um, and, uh, and so he was giving me his spiel of why I should join the army. I, I told him, I informed him that I was not interested in being shot at. Now he told me, um, now this is 2002, just, just barely married for a couple of months. That never happens. Now that, that doesn't happen. Um, now keep in mind that the war in Iraq started in 2003. Uh, which I wasn't prescient enough to know that that was going to happen. But uh, so, so he's saying, this is, um, it's a chance to get free education, which is true. Uh, you, you, you enlist in four years, you come back, and, and you have free college. Um, and then, uh, then he said, and you get to travel the world. Now, I didn't tell him I had a master's degree at this point. And, uh, and uh, interestingly enough, I ended up in a, in, a, in a few years living overseas as a, uh, as a missionary, but uh, it was at this point I informed him that I was actually 30 years old, and he's like, "Oh." <laughs> so I, I I wanted to you know just see how far I could could let him go before I, I told him that. Uh, but we're, as we talk about the the truth being masked by um, by various causes over the years, the the. The religion that God gave us sometimes has been changed, and not for bad motives, again. I'm not assuming bad motives in any of this. Just time and and culture and and human tendencies sometimes mask what God intended. And, And one of the things is we are given a job to recruit, right? And, and as people who are given this responsibility of, of making people interested, what do we, we talked about last week? We talked about being the salt and we, we talk about being the light. And so we get this idea that the gospel is supposed to be more or less attractive to people, right? That's, that's kind of the idea of being salt and light is, is the gospel is supposed to be attractive to people. If the salt has lost its savor, it's no good except to be thrown out by man uh, and trampled under the foot of mankind. So, so we get into sometimes a sell job. And what that means is this guy, uh, this recruiter didn't lie to me at all. I would travel to see the world. I possibly could travel to see Afghanistan, which I have no interest in seeing, or Iraq, which I have no interest in seeing. Uh, there are a lot of places that I could see, you know, maybe Germany, but I saw Germany, so I didn't need the army to see Germany. Uh, but, but yes, I could travel and see some, some exotic places. I could also get free education. Um, th- th- those were the selling points. And so in, in selling me on the army, he, he was interested 
in the good points that, that, that I should you know, want to join up for. He didn't sell me on the responsibility of, of serving my country. He avoided that. That was not a part of the topic at all. He didn't appeal to, to any noble causes of patriotism or, or anything like that. That was not in there at all. It was what he thought might attract me. And we can do that too. We can get into this thing. And I think over the years, uh, we get in, we've seen an appeal to people on, on some of the things that are true about Christianity, but are not the whole story. We certainly appeal to the grace, which is central to Christianity. You'll hear people say things like, well, that was the easiest decision I've ever made. Well, I hope not. Who builds a house and doesn't count the cost? Right? That was a part of this thing. There's a cost. And, and people, people are interested in oftentimes just giving a part. You know, if you're selling a home, there's one rule uh, that... that a realtor has for a homeowner. Do you, who knows what the rule is? Get rid of half your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 a, if a realtor's going to sell your house, there's one rule he tells you. You can't be at home. Why? You know why? Because you're going to tell them all the problems. <laughs> Someone's going to come in and, and you feel, oh, you, oh you, there's that leaky thing over there and there's, there's the window in the back that kind of rattles in the wind and, there's the, and you start telling them all the horror stories, right? And, and, uh, and people want to be honest and, and we're so honest that people walk away and say, I don't want that house. So it's just, you're good. you do something, let me sell the house, okay? If you want your house to sell, you can't be there. Or if you want to get anywhere close to the money that you want to get out of this, you can't be there. Because we have the tendency to be the other side. But the realtor, see, his job is to sell the house. He's, he's trying to sell all the positives. Right? He's not telling all the story. Again, I'm not assuming a wrong motive. We want people to be interested in the gospel. So I want to talk about the state of the Christian as kind of as we present it. I want to talk about being free. We're free, aren't we? And that's one of the things that is presented. James chapter 5, we're gonna, uh, chapter 1, excuse me, in verse 25. We're going to kind of roll through some scriptures here. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 25. This is kind of right before uh, the text that we've been working from verse 26 and 27 where he talks about pure and undefiled religion uh, before God and the Father is to, to love the widow and the orphan and their poor uh, and, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world, right? Uh, but in verse 25, he says this, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of that work will be blessed in what he does. And, and we look at this and we go, ah, oh, the perfect law of liberty. Isn't it so nice? We, we, we talk about the Old Testament and we live in a law of liberty and we there's so many pictures throughout our New Testament of being free. John chapter 8, verse 36. John 8. Verse 
Verse 36. It says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Man, that's another exciting one. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. You can kind of see where we're going with this. Uh, I think Galatians chapter uh, 4, verse 7. We're going to come back to this later and look at the whole context. But uh, just want verse 7 for right now. He says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if you are a son, then you are an heir of God. Through Christ. So, uh, wonderful. I'm no longer a slave. I am an heir. I'm a son. In Romans chapter 8. And finally, Romans chapter 8. Verse 15. He says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, so not a spirit. We talked about not not being afraid and what all that entails. Um, but we don't have the spirit of bondage. We have a spirit uh, uh, of adoption. Again, that concept of being sons and not slaves. And so this has led to these popular idioms that we have throughout uh, Christianity, talking about you know all oh, the easiest choice and all these things, and it's so and grace and all, all the emphasis of this side of things. And, and people have what I call the the, the Doobie Brothers Christianity. Jesus is just all right with me, and that's as, that's as good as we want to go. I'm just that's as far. He's just all right. And, and, I, and I can kind of have a little, and I can and do all the stuff over here that I want, and, and, and that's just all right. That's just where I like it. And that's, that's that picture if we look at that side of things. Now, all those verses are accurate. All those verses present truth. There's not a one of them that presents anything inaccurate. The inaccuracy comes when those are the only verses, again, on the issue that we look at. Matthew chapter 24. If we look there. We see a slightly different picture. And now we're going to have to figure out again. How to get these under the same context. Uh, and, and figure out how these all work together. Uh, but let's, let's at least introduce another perspective of things. Matthew chapter 24. And verse 45 and 46. He says, then he will answer them saying, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you didn't do it to one least of these, you didn't do it to me. And these, that is the wrong passage. That is not the right one. Oh, I'm in 25. Thank you. Good grief. He says, then a faithful and wise servant whom the master has made ruler over his household to give them, uh, to give them food and do season, blessed is he that servant um, whom his master will find doing when he comes. So a slave is blessed if he is found working when God comes. Well, that's not the picture of being free to me. I'm a slave. In fact, Jesus is actually given the title just in the Gospels alone of master or Lord over 250 times. Uh, master and Lord implies servant and slave. So freedom does need to be put into context. Romans chapter 6, 
Romans chapter 6. In verse 16, he says, Do you not know that whatever you present yourselves as slaves to obey, you are that, that one's slaves who you obey, uh, whether it's a sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So you're, you're going to present yourself as a servant of something, as a slave to something, and that is your master. That, that's who you serve. So liberty is the ability to choose. We, we do have liberty you have the ability to choose what you're a slave to. And that's kind of the, the interesting thought here. In this case, what is going to be my master? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse 19 and 20. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? Who you have from God, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so, again, we have a, a slightly different. Now, if we only read these verses, we might have a slightly different picture, and not a complete picture as well, of the Christian life. And so we have to figure out how all of these, there's, there's all these verses over here that are about slavery and they seem kind of negative. And then there's all these verses over here about freedom. And, and that's all, that, that's kind of where I like it. But we have to understand, first of all, these are all, all these are relative, especially the, the statements about uh, uh, freedom. All these things are relative to other things. So we kind of need to look at the contexts of, of the things being mentioned. Uh, so Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2. When we're talking about liberty, what is it liberty in relationship to what? Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 19. It says, While they promised themselves liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome... By him he is also brought into bondage. And we also already saw that kind of uh, picture with, with slavery. It's whatever you sell yourself into. And he says, oh, they promise you liberty. He talks about a people who, who love to promise liberty, but the, the, re, the result of what they end up selling you is slavery of a different kind. You're so free. You're so free. It's so wonderful. Whatever you decide to obey is what you serve. And, and so some people love to preach freedom. But God has attempted to free us from harmful things and things that bring us into a different bondage. That's what Romans was talking about. You'll notice uh, a lot of people want to be their own boss. Ask someone who's their own boss. They serve somebody. They just serve somebody different. They've gotten rid of the middleman. <laughs> right? They go straight to, oh, you, you now answer to the customer directly instead of a boss who answers to the customer. You're never your own boss. Not if you want to get paid, you're not. There's always a boss. Romans chapter 8. We go back to there and look at some of the context of that. Romans chapter 8.
verse 1 and 2, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's a little clause in there that, that, that helps me to understand this, this freedom. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, so I, I'm not free of law. I've exchanged one law for a different law. It's not just a different set of rules. In fact, Hebrews goes into this and calls it a different type of a covenant, not just a different covenant, not just a different group of rules. But it's a different system of law, but it's still a system of law. God didn't say, okay, it's anarchy time. That would be absence of of a concept of law. But I've exchanged a type of law. It's one principle with two different aspects. Those who choose sin are brought under its power. When they sell themselves, we sell ourselves to that thing. In the previous chapter, Paul talks about doing the things that he hated. I don't understand it. I didn't get up this morning and... It's like, I got up this morning and I, I didn't want to do that thing. And, and here it is, it's afternoon and I'm doing that thing. That's essentially what he's saying. Now the things that I had intended to do somehow didn't get done. Don't know how that happened. It was on my schedule, it was in my spreadsheet, it was on my list, on my refrigerator, and it didn't get done. Not sure how that happened. It's like, I don't understand it. I fully intended to do that. And see, we form habits, and those habits control us. And so the result of those choices is what determines what I'm a slave to. I'm, I have this habit, I have this thing, and it, it controls me. I did it again. <laughs> and Paul wrestled with the same, the same thing. I want to go back to Galatians and read the larger context here. Galatians chapter 4. Because it talks about how we're, uh, we're sons. We're no longer slaves. And by the way, uh, there are some that will make the argument, well, that's the word servant. Nope, that's the word slave. You, the, the majority of the time you read the word Servant in your Bible, it's nice. It means slave. It's a doulos. It's a, it's a bond servant. There are diakonoses in the, like a deacon, right? There are servants. They're, they're like what we would call a minister. Uh, there are even child servants. Those would be kids in the household that were uh, also almost like a, a young slave. Uh, but in Galatians here, we're talking about uh, slaves versus sons. Uh, so, let me get there. Uh, Galatians 4, 1, he says, Now I say that an heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's the master of everything. But he is under guardians and stewards until the time is appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage, under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. 
And so, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father, just like Romans, right? Same idea. And therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ. And so this now gives us more than just that quick little bumper sticker uh, theology. There's a little bit more depth to here. We understand it's relative to what? The context is about being uh, free relative to the Old Testament. Those, the, the harshness. He's not talking about free... You know, we're not free-range chickens here. We don't let's not make it up as you go along. And it's interesting, he starts to saying, a son is really just a slave. There's no difference. Practically saying, at that, at that age, dad tells a servant what to do, dad tells a son what to do. Practically speaking, there's no difference. Under the law, there's no difference between being a son and being a slave. So, so God's people... The Israelites really were no greater than a slave, if you want to think of it like that. But then they get an inheritance, and what makes them freed was that inheritance. They were their own man. They get their inheritance, and they strike it out on their own. Here you go. See, they, they didn't get inheritances like we give inheritances. They didn't get inheritances when, when they died. They, they got inheritances uh, when they became adults. Now, there would probably be leftover stuff when they died, and that's kind of interesting, too. We do that as well. We have kind of a, a similar setup. So we have investments. We have uh, what's called custodial accounts for our kids. Right? It's not worth a ton, but it's worth something. And... At 21, I lose control of that. When Benjamin hits 21, I lose control of it. I can't tell him what to do with it. He can go buy a lifetime supply of Pop Rocks. I can't control that. It's his inheritance. He's a little freer. Now, if I say, you buy Pop Rocks with that thing, you're not in the will. See, there's degrees of freedom, isn't there? And that's kind of the same thing. So, so they had an inheritance that they received, a birthright, that they, when they struck it out on their own. And then they had, of course, dad is dead, there's the rest of the will. Uh, and Hebrews talks about that. A will is in effect, well, uh, only when men are dead. So, so there's these degrees. And so there's degrees of servitude. Well, We've been given an inheritance, haven't we? We've been given some of that, that, that inheritance of becoming children. And, and, and the God's people have, have gone from that childlike state that they were in, that Galatians talks so much about under the law, to Christ dying. And, and we have a church and God says, okay, I'm going to give you some sphere here of liberty because you've kind of reached that first point. But there's an inheritance. The Bible talks about heaven as an inheritance. God says, I haven't meted out the whole will of God yet. I haven't, the whole thing hasn't been finished. You've still got a little bit left to accomplish. And so if you want to get the whole inheritance, 
And if you want to be completely free of all concept of law, law exists where sin and where temptation and where all that is. That, that's where that exists in that realm. And, and once we get to heaven, there is no need for a system of law because the system of temptation, there's, there's nothing to prevent. How incredible is that? There's no locks on your doors in heaven. Think about that. No security systems. You think about how many ads that you hear driving down the road that there are not going to be in heaven. There's going to be no cyber security ads that you're forced to listen to. And, you know, the singing gets interrupted every 20 minutes for eight minutes of ads for that. And all of any, virtually any ad you can think about. All has to do with these things that we have to wrestle with because of the fallen world in which we live in. That goes by the wayside. That's awesome. God says, at that point in time, the system of law is is not necessary. A lifetime, an eternity without political ads. Thank goodness. It's not necessary because we don't need any more laws. Lawyers, all of that goes. But we've got to get there. And so we have to endure with some kind of a system that gets us there. And that is a law that we have to submit to. It's a kind of a law. It's not the law. It's not Moses' law. It's not even restrictive like that, but it is a concept. And so we live under liberty, but we live under limited liberty. We are free comparative, but we're not completely free. James wrote that we will be judged. He says, so speak and act as those who will be judged by that perfect Law of liberty. I want you to think about that statement. The idea that there are no restrictions in liberty is incorrect. Liberty is not the absence of requirement. Because it's a system which is going to be used to judge me. Right in that statement... Right in that statement, it tells me it is a, it's a type of a law. It's a law of liberty, and I'm going to be judged by it. Well, for something to, to be judged by, there has to be written some sort of specification by which I can determine a verdict. And so the law of liberty has that built into it. Someone explained it to me like this, and I've always thought about this. It's the difference between being in jail or being free. What would you rather? Well, obviously I'd rather be free. Which is harder, being in jail or being free? Well, it depends on what you're talking about now. That's a slightly different question. I mean, one is more restrictive in that way. One doesn't feel as nice, but notice how many people that get out of jail, are almost immediately back into jail. Now, some of those is because they have gotten themselves into habits that just are difficult to get rid of, and as soon as they're out, they're back in because those habits 
are something that they have. And they, but some people are actually addicted to jail. Some people can't cope with having to make their own choices. Some people have, when, now that I'm out, I mean, you're in jail, I mean, you don't have a choice. It's time to get up. It's time to eat. It's time to go outside for your little recess. And now it's time to go back in. And, and some people can't cope in life unless they have people telling them what to do. And so they get out on their own. And it's, you have to get yourself up and get ready for a job. And you have to do this. And you have to tell your friends no. And you have to start making the decisions of what kind of friends to hang out with. And there's all these things. And they can't deal with that. And they feel better, believe it or not, if they are where someone tells them what to do and what not to do. And so they're right back in. They'll commit a crime so that they can get back in. Because being free is harder. I want to talk about liberty judging me. It's going to judge me in two ways. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, You, brethren, have been called to liberty only. Only means an exception. This is one of those exceptions. Only. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Peter wrote, Almost the same verse, he said, do not use your liberty as a cloak for vice or as a covering for evil. Don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh. That's the limit here on liberty. I don't get to say, hey, I'm free, I get to do what I want. Don't use it as a means to get away with what you've always wanted to get away with. I'm free. Don't tell me what to do. There are still moral obligations. There's still a law of liberty that will judge me. And God will judge me on how I've used my liberty. There's no loopholes in it. There's no loopholes in love. Look at the way Jesus taught. Uh, he starts out, you, know, you notice it, the Beatitudes, right? The Sermon on the Mount. You're just barely starting to read in Matthew and you get to the Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of like, a, I've always found the comparison between that and uh, Moses getting the law. They, they both go, they're both on a mountain. Moses comes down with a law. And he reads that initial part, just the, the, the quick part, and then he goes back up and gets the rest. And, and here's this opening to, to the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus is up there teaching to all these people on the mountain, and he gives them the opening statements. And, and compare the Ten Commandments with the Beatitudes, and you notice a striking difference. Uh, the, the law is all about you have to do this, and, and most of it is about what you have to not do. And, and there's not a single one of those in the Beatitudes. Jesus doesn't have a single, you better not do that. Blessed are those. Listen, this is just going to help you out if, if you do it this way. It's just going to help you out. If you comfort other people, you're going to find that you get comforted. 
You're going to find that if you're a peacemaker, you're going to be called a son of God. Just all the ways it's structured, it's completely different. Now, it's still guidelines, it's still moral, and it's still virtuous, but he just approaches it from a different perspective. And you're going to be judged by that. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 gives us another one. There's another limit on my liberty. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, I'm not saying that these are exclusively the limits on my liberty, uh, but these are two big ones. I think if we cover these, we're going to be doing uh, most of the work here. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8 and 9. Back up to verse 7. He says, However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. He's talking about meat sacrificed to idols, being, being free to eat that. He says, Some with conscious, consciousness of the idol still eat it in their own heart. They still eat it as a thing that's offered to an idol. And their conscience, though it's weak, is defiled. However, food does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat it are we the better, nor if we refuse to eat it are we the worse. That was interesting. Stop right there. We get into this thing where we're, he says, and, and this, Paul explains this in different places. He says, some people choose to eat it and do it out of devotion to God, thankful that they're free to, and some people refuse to eat it out of a feeling of moral purity. And he said, both of them are fine. Both of them are fine. You have your individual expression, just so long as you're not doing something that is defined as immoral, you're fine to express your faith as you see. But then he says in verse 9, but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. That's all. You're free. You're free. Just don't throw it in people's face. That's all. And if it's a freedom, it can be given up. Because it's not a requirement. If it's a requirement, I can't give it up. Sorry. You're going to have to get over it. But if it's a freedom, it can be given up. So as we conclude, we look at that easy faith. Oh, it's so easy. That was just the simplest decision to become a Christian. Then you didn't weigh some things. You didn't weigh the price of slavery. Oh, it's light slavery. You didn't weigh what Christ said, because Christ said, take my burden upon you. My my burden is light. My yoke is is easy. He didn't say, I don't have a burden. I I don't have a yoke. I don't have any obligations. That's not in there. He just said, comparatively speaking, you're going to find that it's a little bit easier than the one you're carrying. I mean, if, if you strap me down with 100 pounds, force me to carry that around, I'm going to like a 40-pound burden. <laughs> That's just all there is to it. Ooh, this is light. I don't even notice it. There's a burden. I'm not going to play that one down. There's something to carry. 
it's just going to be less exhausting in the long run. There are inconveniences along the way. Christ is not an easy decision. If Christ is an easy decision, you might need to rethink it and go through it again and see if you are ready to count the cost. There's a cost. But this morning, if you are tired of your heavy burden, if you are tired of a life that gives some difficulties, then there is an alternative. You just got to be willing to exchange a heavy burden for a light burden. I don't know what masters you. I don't know what what things you've given yourself over to. And it can be guilt. It can be a habit. But it can be a regret. You can have a regret that you've just never gotten over. It can be a, a something to forgive that you've kind of hidden over here. Or you forgave somebody and then it kind of came back. Sometimes forgiveness works like that. Resentment. There are all sorts of emotional things and physical things that we let master us. Those feelings, bitterness, shame. Or maybe just not giving yourself completely. This morning, whether it's beginning from scratch or whether restarting, I, I ask that we we make that choice to consider what we wish to serve.